Hello everyone, this is the CircuitPython Weekly for August 17th, 2020. It's the time of the week where we get together to talk about all things CircuitPython. I'm Jeff Epler and I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python designed to run on tiny computers called microcontrollers. Development of CircuitPython is primarily sponsored by Adafruit, so support them by purchasing hardware from adafruit.com. This meeting is hosted on the Adafruit Discord server. You can join anytime by going to adafru.it slash discord. We hold the meeting in the CircuitPython text channel and the CircuitPython voice channel. This meeting typically happens on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern time, but the date occasionally varies for U.S. holidays. We have an online calendar. If you would like to speak in the meetings, let us know and we will add you to the CircuitPythonistas role. This will also get you a small number of notifications from Discord during the week, mostly reminders about the meeting. The length of the meeting varies, but it's often from 60 to 90 minutes long. This meeting is recorded and will be posted to YouTube and released on various podcast services. If you find that this podcast is not available on your favorite podcast service, let us know. The meeting recording includes the text in the CircuitPython channel and the audio from the CircuitPython audio channel. This meeting is accompanied by a notes document. If you wish to participate but don't have a mic or just prefer not to have your voice recorded, you can add your updates to the notes doc and we'll read them off. If you can't attend at all, you can leave your notes in advance and likewise, we'll read them for you. The document is updated with time codes when I remember to do it, uh, so that if you want to watch or listen to just part of the meeting after the fact, you can skip to what you're interested in. If you're listening in, please let us know you're lurking so that we can skip over you during the round-robin portions of this meeting. If possible, please update the notes document to say so. If not, let us know by saying just listening or lurking in the text channel. Uh, as most of you know, this meeting is held in five parts. First, community news with links to CircuitPython projects and a preview of the Python on a hardware newsletter. Second, the state of CircuitPython libraries and Blinka. We'll look at numbers that summarize the health of the project and get a high-level summary of recent development and future direction. Third, and the first of two round-robin sections, hug reports. In Hug Reports, we invite you to highlight positive contributions from the awesome folks around us. In the Round Robin sections, we start with the moderator and continue in alphabetical fashion until everyone has had a chance to speak. If you're lurking, we'll skip over you. If you have notes, the moderator will read them aloud. Fourth is Status Updates. During Status Updates, we invite community members to take a few minutes to talk about their CircuitPython-related work, progress, and plans. Feel free to chime in with quick tips or advice as appropriate. Quick questions and answers are perfect for this section, but longer discussions should be taken to our last section, In the Weeds. For topics, <laughs> for topics that are more open-ended, this is the section where we can discuss them. If you have something else you'd like to discuss, please add it to the end of the In the Weeds section of the notes document as soon as you think of it, and tag it with your name so we'll know who is starting the discussion. We'll cover topics in the weeds in the order that they were added to the document. With that, I will take a time code and we will continue to community news. Uh, so first in community news, and uh, foamy guy if you're here and can get the URLs, that would be great. Uh, we have CircuitPython takes flight in MS Flight Simulator. Creating a flight controller for Microsoft Flight Simulator using CircuitPython and custom circuits. Uh, the author says, for many years I have used and played in Microsoft Flight Simulator X. In anticipation of the upcoming release of the new version, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, I wanted to ensure I had the best setup ready for flight. I knew that CircuitPython had a gamepad software library that makes your CircuitPython code appear like a joystick. I had an idea that this could be hacked up easily and made to suit my purpose. 
CircuitPython also makes working with hardware easy. Next, we've got the CircuitPython Clue Qtbot. It's a higher level library to allow Adafruit's Clue and Electfreak's Microbit Smart Qtbot to communicate while maintaining all the functionality of the Clue except for touch features. Uh, author writes, I am a teacher of young learners, and as such, the code was purposely left simple so I can use it with them. There's also a comment on nearly every line to help explain to my students what each line is doing. CircuitPython Day is 9-9-2020. We've chosen September 9th as the snakiest day of this year for CircuitPython Day. More to come on events and happenings to include a CircuitPython team live stream, collaboration with hardware and software folks, and highlighting all things Python and Python on hardware. It is with great sadness that the community saw the devastation of Beirut several days ago. So many residences were heavily damaged. It was a great relief to hear from our 2019 CircuitPython Day partners, Lamba Labs Makerspace. Things have been quite tough these days, they say, but so far all is manageable. We did a roll call yesterday on all our maker communities. Aside from minor injuries and stitches, broken glass, broken window frames, and some broken cars, no real harm done. All the love from here in Beirut. Adafruit is dedicating CircuitPython Day 2020 to Lamba Labs and supporting NGO fundraising for the city. And uh, we've put a couple of links to uh, NGOs that Lamba Labs endorsed here in the chat. And there's a lot more stuff in the newsletter. So uh, as a reminder, you should subscribe at adafruitdaily.com. Uh, so here's just a few more items. Simulating Firefly flashes with NeoPixel LEDs in CircuitPython. The CircuitPython Clue menu, which makes your Clue multifunctional by adding a nifty startup menu to select the program you want to run. Uh, Conway's Game of Life on an ESP32 with MicroPython and an LCD display. And Python T episode 10 with special guest Lucas Langa on release management, typing in Python, async IO, MIDI, and synths. And one last one, uh, because uh, this is just beautiful and I can't say enough wonderful things about it. The epoxy, the ocean epoxy resin light box with LED RGB matrix image scroller from Erin St. Blaine. Uh, I had a hand in this, but she did all of the artistic parts and it makes me smile every time I see it. Um, so finally, I will close out this section by inviting you to contribute to the newsletter. The CircuitPython Weekly Newsletter is a community-run newsletter emailed every Tuesday. We have the complete archives online. Every week, we highlight the latest CircuitPython-related news from around the web, including MicroPython, Python, and CircuitPython developments. To contribute, edit next week's draft on GitHub and submit a pull request with the changes. You can also tag your information on Twitter with hashtag CircuitPython. Next is the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. Uh, overall, we continue to have uh, pretty good participation from the community with 22 pull requests merged by 15 authors and eight reviewers. So uh, among the authors, Ji uh, Ong Wee He is a name that I don't recognize. Um, NVT Kazpir, as another one that's new to me. Uh, Syscorn is doing more and more, and we're happy to see that. Uh, Linus G and David Cloud. Um, I guess I don't, I don't know if Linus has contributed before. Uh, David is certainly an occasional contributor. Happy to have you. Uh, and the eight reviewers, myself, Katni, Lady Ada, Carter, 
Scott, Maker Melissa, R. Hooper, and Dan, pretty much the usual suspects, but we always welcome more reviewers because they make uh, the development process in our community work. Uh, for issues, we had 27 closed issues by six people and 12 opened by nine people, so it was really a pretty strong week in terms of resolving the problems that people in our community are seeing. So overall, uh, as I said, we continue to have strong contributions in the core and libraries. Uh, aside from uh, the activity in the Adafruit bundle, I also want to highlight that we have a new library in the community bundle for the LTR559 light and proximity sensor, which is on the Pimeroni Enviro Plus Featherwing, uh, underscoring the fact that the community is not just Adafruit, the community is makers all over the world. Uh, an item carried over from last week is that we really need to make a new alpha release from the core soon. Uh, there are currently 269 commits in 23 pull requests that are on the main branch but not released yet, so we need to make it easier for the community to access these features and bug fixes by making a release. Uh, another piece of exciting news from the core is that we have a new Japanese translation contributed uh, by Syscorn. Thank you. That makes the 15th language besides English that we have added. Uh, some numbers from the core before I turn it over. Uh, we had seven pull requests merged uh, by five authors and three reviewers. So thank you, Syscorn, Jiang Weehi, uh, W. Temura, and Weblate. And thanks to the three reviewers, uh, Lady Ada, myself, and Dan. Um, uh, we have 21 open pull requests. We have uh, as far as issues go, we closed five and had three open, so we are down two, but we've got 321 open issues. We manage those issues by milestones, so um, looking ahead to 6.00, we need to close nine issues on that milestone before we can release, uh, do a general release of version six. And uh, refer to the notes doc if you want to see more uh, about that. So uh, with that, uh, I will turn it over to Katni to tell us about the libraries. Thanks. Hi. So, uh, we had 15 pull requests merged um, by 10 authors, including uh, Gadgetoid, NVT Caspier, and Linus G, our new names that I don't recognize, uh, and seven reviewers. Uh, our merge pull request, the oldest one was 38 days old, and the most recent ones were one day or less, including two to the uh, CircuitPython community bundle, uh, leaving us with 43 open pull requests. We had 21 issues closed by 11 people and eight open by six people, so we are net down, and leaving us with 185 open issues, and currently nine of those are labeled good first issue. If you are looking to contribute to CircuitPython, uh, the libraries are a great place to start. You can see this information and more at circuitpython.org slash contributing, um, which has all the open pull requests, all of the open issues, and a series of library infrastructure issues. And you can search those issues by label, including good first issue, if that's the level that you're looking for, or bug or enhancement if you're looking for something more complicated. And um, there are guides on contributing to CircuitPython with Git and GitHub, so don't let that part scare you off. Um, the guide is available and we are also available to help. In terms of library updates in the last seven days, we had one new library, Matrix Portal, and a number of updated libraries that I will not read off. And that's where we are with the libraries. Thank you, Katni. 
And now to tell us about happenings in Blinka, I will turn it over to maker Melissa. Hello. Hi. This week we had uh, zero requests. Oh, well, let me start off by saying that Blinka is our CircuitPython library compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. And this week we had zero pull requests merged. Uh, there are currently three open issues um, with one. There was one closed issue by one person and one open by one person, leaving a net of 24 open issues. There have been 1,443 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are currently supporting 52 boards. And that's it. Thank you, Melissa. And with that, we move over to our first round robin section, which is called Hug Reports. So I will start to show how it's done, but the idea is to uh, thank and recognize people in the community who are helping others. Um, so I will uh, start after I take my time code with a group hug and a second hug for all of our helper groups here on Discord. We have community helpers, we have CircuitPython helpers, and we uh, just recently added PCB helpers. Um, they are, are just helpful and they make this community work. Everyone can help, but uh, these people have been willing to take on a mantle, um, and I really appreciate that. Uh, I want to give a hug to Katni for a couple of private chats that we had, um, and I want to thank Kmatch98 for stepping up when I reported a problem with labels and didn't provide a whole lot of info, so he and also Foamy Guy worked together to uh, kind of turn that into a, a reproducible and actionable bug report. Uh, I want to thank Dan H for approving a pull request on the weekend and Siskorn for contributing the Japanese translation of the CircuitPython core, Carl FK for a helpful discussion yesterday about CANBUS, and uh, V923Z for a cool but totally secret and absolutely not leaked progress on Microlab. Uh, with that, I will turn it over to Jaren, and then Katni is on deck. Hello. Uh, where my notes go? There they are. Um, so uh, thank you, uh, Carter, for the awesome Hurricane Tracker uh, app for the uh, Pi Portal. It's, uh, it's really great. It was uh, fun to track a couple of storms last week, and they've now gone away, and it's telling me it's all safe on the East Coast. And um, thanks to Scott for giving us moderators a break from server discovery. It's been a really nice week. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Kmatch98 is on deck, but now we go to Katni. So I have a hard report for Jeff for running the meeting today and another one for Jeff for two lovely and much needed chats last week um, and a hug to community moderators on Discord for hanging in there with us and sticking with us uh, while we went through some tougher times and then uh, have decided on at least a temporary solution. Um, I really appreciate that all of you stuck with us through the whole situation and that's what I've got. Thank you, Katni. Uh, Maker Melissa is on deck, but now Kmatch98. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Uh, thanks to Fo uh, thanks or to Foamy Guy. <laughs> yep, special thanks to Foamy Guy with our continued work on improving label. He's done a lot of work on bug fixes and made some good examples for a new library that's upcoming. And special thanks to Scott for a code review on a pull request and particularly an extended Git help session for me on uh, Discord. Appreciate that. All right, we'll have uh, Stargirl text only in a second, but Maker Melissa, you are up. 
I just wanted to give a hag report to TNA for turning off server discovery and a group hug. Thank you. Uh, Mark Gambler and Mr. Certainly are lurking, so we will proceed to Stargirl, who has left me notes. Tanu, you are on deck. Uh, Stargirl says, uh, hug report to community helpers for being so helpful in the community. Uh, V923Z is on deck. Scott, what do you have for us? Hello. Uh, Jeff, first, thanks and foremost uh, for running the meeting and doing all the stuff afterwards as well. Um, Hug reports unexpected maker for jumping into CircuitPython uh, with their Feather S2 support. It was fun to see over the weekend. Uh, thank you to Esden for the FPGA encouragement and a huge, huge thank you in particular to Greg Steyer, who used to work uh, a lot with FPGAs and has been really, really helpful. He actually wrote a library long ago uh, to control some FPGAs from CircuitPython. And so I've taken that and kind of revamped it. So that's been really helpful. And I'm making slow progress on that front. Uh, and then lastly, I wanted to have a hug report for Ask Patrick W. Um, they wrote up some ESP32S2 CircuitPython info, uh, I think a couple of months back now uh, in a GitHub gist. And it's just been kind of the go-to doc for everybody trying to get started with it. So I really appreciate that. And uh, so thanks to Patrick for that. Awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. V923Z is up next, and then we will wrap around to Ask Patrick W. Okay, thanks, Jeff. So I first, I have a group hug. And um, second, on Saturday evening, I quite unexpectedly bumped into Jeff. Um, we had a, a friendly chat, and I also asked a technical question. He came back half an hour later with a ridiculously clever solution, but we both agreed quite quickly that it's totally useless. <laughs> In any case, Jeff, uh, thanks for stepping up to the challenge. Mm. And with that, back to you. All right. Um, so Brent is up next. And as Patrick uh, W is text only, so I will read those off. They send a hug report to Unexpected Maker for the help with flashing both my Esprit Sala W Rover and my Feather S2, and thanks to Tanut for the Friday streams. I can rarely watch live, but I very much enjoy the shows, and I pick up tips and tricks along the way. After Brent, we will have Dan, but go ahead, Brent. All right, out of order. Um, thanks to uh, Jerry for the RFM 9X Frozen build. I have to try that in a few minutes yes. when I'm working on something. And then also to Jeff for making that possible by doing M0 board firmware size reduction. Um, thanks to Scott for Friday's live stream. I can usually not turn in, like tune in because it's like at the end of my day, but I made an exception on Friday and it was really fun to watch and I continued watching it on Saturday. Um, and to Gadgetoid for CircuitPython and Pymeroni drivers. I really like the Pymeroni environmental sensors and I'm excited to see them happening in CircuitPython land. Indeed. Um... Charles, are you lurking today, or do you have uh, hug reports? Yes, I have a hug report. All right. Well, we are ready for it. Just a, a general hug report to everybody because I've, I've, you know, I haven't been doing a whole lot with this, uh, with um, my keyboard stuff, which was my Circuit Python program uh, project lately. But I hope to. Uh, uh, I'm very thankful that I can wa listen in on this and and the deep and uh, 
to Tanu for a deep, for his deep dives because that's very it's very interesting to see how 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 a new ver, new setup of circuit python is constructed thank you thanks it's always good to see you charles uh next we will go to dan and then i have some uh notes from several people hello okay thanks to jeff for um finding some significant space savings which make a really a real big big difference on the sandy 21 boards um in the math library which there was this routine two over pi uh which was very large and uh jeff was able to find figure out that there was an array in it that was a bunch of 32-bit uh, numbers which were all only eight bits in length and so that saved a lot of space so that was very helpful and also He's been cleaning up some stuff about the builds, which make the build logs less noisy and make it easier to find errors in the build log instead of wading through a bunch of stuff that's not really useful. And thanks to um, Scott last week for while we, we were discussing like kind of troubles that server discovery got us in Discord and he just said, all right, I'm going to turn it off. And uh, that was exactly what we needed. And we've seen a huge uh, drop in problematic people on Discord now by turning it off. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I have notes from a couple of people, um, but the next person besides me who will be speaking uh, is Foamy Guy. Uh, so Dave P, who is lurking, says, hug report to Dan H for helping find and fix an issue with Display.io on NRF boards and to the community as a whole. After dealing with some other online communities, it is so nice to come here. So welcoming and supportive. Uh, and next, I have notes from David Cloud, unless you'd like to try your mic. Let, let me try. Do you hear me? Yes. OK, great. Good. So thank you to Scott for um, the video he presented. And yeah, there was a lot of hit stuff that I will need to rewatch. Um, but it did help me to transform a package into a library, and I did it for a few um, libraries already. Um, and thank you for Katni that made an interesting guide on how to use JIT and GitHub, and I'm going to keep following those because this was really helpful um, this week. And thank you to Unfinished Stuff on Twitter, which is a guy that made a board so that you can plug Raspberry Pi hat on uh, Feather. And I've got three copies of those. One is called Red, and I'm going to play with them. All right. Uh, Higher Effect is on deck, and now we will go to Foamy Guy. All right. Hello. Uh, Hello. I'd like to give out a uh, report to you, uh, Jeff, for pointing out the issue with the display text library. Uh, and then another one for uh, KMASH98 for uh, digging into that issue and um, sharing uh, his findings about uh, what was causing it. And it allowed me to kind of uh, jump in and try to get a fix together. So definitely appreciate uh, both, uh, help from both of you guys uh, for helping get that nailed down. Um, and that's all I got to. Thanks. It's definitely one of those deceptively simple things. I mean, it feels, it doesn't feel difficult and yet there are a number of combinations and they end up making things uh, complicated to get all the cases right. So thanks to the both of you for being willing to keep looking into that and digging deeper. Uh, all right, I will hand it to Higher Effect next. Then we've got a couple uh, of last people that I will read off before we wrap up this section. 
go ahead. All right. Um, so thanks uh, to Scott for helping me out with some technical issues and uh, kind of style API decisions uh, last week um, for the ESP32 S2 uh, pulse in and pulse out libraries that we've been working on. Um, thanks to you, Jeff, for uh, keeping up with that RGB matrix uh, PR and getting that through uh, while I was uh, deep in ESP32. I got to stop paying attention to it, and you made sure that everything didn't break. So thank you. Um, and then uh, thanks to uh, our contact uh, who's interested in adding the F STM32 F401 RE for sending me uh, a development board uh, that I can test on, which uh, are very hard to find here in the US. And he's uh, sent me one express. Um, so uh, that'll be cool to try out. Uh, that's it for me. Very cool. All right. Uh, taking a time code, and I will read Hug Reports from Gadgetoid, who says a Hug Report to David Gloud for helping update Enviro Plus to CircuitPython 5.x, and a hug report to Tanut for being so accommodating while I'm being onboarded in the ecosystem. That's what we're all here to help you do, but uh, yeah, Scott is a great one to lean on. And to wrap it up, I have uh, notes from Jay Guitar, who is text only, and sends a hug report to uh, Jerry and Foamy Guy for help and testing on help with CircuitPython. That wraps up reports. So next we turn to status updates. Again, status updates is conducted in a round-robin fashion, and uh, it's time to tell us about what you've been working on since you had a chance to check in with us, as well as tell us what you hope to be working on in the near future. And if you have any updates outside of CircuitPython that you want to share with us, uh, we are open to that as well. So again, I will kick it off. I will try to keep you informed as to who's on deck, which would be Jerry. And I will read the notes of those people who don't have mics. So uh, last week, I spent about another day and a half on the firmware size for M0 boards, but it was for a good cause. It helped us get the new Japanese translation merged. Uh, the sharp memory display PR is also merged, so we have uh, support in the core for uh, driving these LCD displays with Display.io, but there's at least one bug left over. And the related Adafruit guide is uh, getting close to release, but there's still a few more things to stitch up. Uh, so this week, I need to figure out a pin allocation problem with shark memory displays, and possibly getting a last few photos for the guide. And once that's cleared off my plate, my next thing is to dig into CAN bus. We want to create a CAN bus implementation for the SAM E5 X series, and so my test board will be the SAM E54 Explained dev kit. I'm going to be studying the MicroPython implementation, which is called PYB.CAN, but uh, as always, we are going to try to make uh, an API that we just feel is the CircuitPython way. And if you do know of a CAN buff bus peripheral uh, that is cheap enough to pick up on a lark or for testing, you can let me know here in CircuitPython or via direct message. And as far as fun stuff goes, I blogged a Python program that I wrote for setting up registers of the SI5351 clock generator breakout. So there is a link uh, in the notes doc to my blog. Catney uh, is on deck, and I will hand it over to Jaren. Jerry. Hello. Hi. Thanks. Uh, yeah, not, not, nothing much to report this week. I don't know where the week went, but uh, I am. I, I was doing some work trying to get ready to build the RFM69 with the 
library built in and realized I don't have any of those boards. So they'll be here this week <laughs> and I'll be able to test that. Um, I have a ton of feather wings, but none of the uh, boards themselves. Um, and then I got a, little, a couple of little tweaks to make to the RFM69 library to do that. Uh, just some, a few size reduction changes I had done on the 9X, but that won't be hard. And uh, otherwise I got some furniture refinished this week finally after putting it off for a long time. So that felt good. All right. Um, Kmatch98 is on deck, but Katni is up now. Hello. Hi. So last week, I figured out why a couple of moderators did not have moderator permissions. It was pretty baffling. Um, and emailed Discord uh, support, and they didn't even figure it out. And then Jeff magically figured it out. So uh, that was a bonus because... I really didn't want to go through the whole ordeal that I think they were going to send me through from support before figuring out that that was the problem. Have you deleted your server and recreated it? Right. Exactly. Um, so I filed an issue on Adabot to add the CircuitPython cookie cutter to the PR issues check. And then I added cookie cutter to Adabot for the PR issues check and closed my own issue. Um, tag Justin, who is our... Uh, web dev guy to um, on an issue on the CircuitPython org or EPO for offering to translate the website. Um, I'll have to take a look at how that's going, actually, but I needed just to get those two in contact since Justin's kind of the one who does a lot of the code for the site and um, someone, someone offered to translate it into Spanish. Uh, created six fritzing objects and started a guide um, that somebody else is doing the rest of. So this week, um, I need to finish up a complicated in-progress fritzing object. It's um, a lot of parts, a lot of things. We had to do some magic to make it work. It failed in the beginning and all kinds of fun stuff. So doing that, there's a bunch of miscellaneous to do. Um, I'm hopefully finally going to be able to get to a library PR sweep, um, which is just I need to go through all the PRs open on all the libraries. There's a couple that have been called to my attention recently, um, but really we need to go through all of them. Um, as well, I'd like to begin updating the code of conduct across all the libraries. We made a few changes. Um, one is not entirely necessary to make a change, but the other one um, should be updated across the board. So uh, that's involves an Adabot patch. That's not a huge deal. And then um, I need to begin adding descriptions to all of the Adafruit GitHub repos. Um, Jeff actually is the one who figured out that it helps with searching and some other stuff to have a description in, in the repo. And you can add a description when you create it. Um, but if you miss that or don't know it's there or whatever, it kind of just gets lost in the mix. And there are a lot of repos without it. So I think there's been a check added to Adabot to list repos that don't have descriptions. Um, and so I need to go through that. And then after that, um, or probably more like after the PR sweep, the code of conduct and the um, descriptions thing is probably going to end up waiting is uh, some unknown next project from a giant list that Lamar has um, that she said to ping her and we'll figure out what to do next. And that's what I've got. Thank you, Katni. Um, Kmatch98 is up next, and then we will go to Maker Melissa. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Hi. So I answered some good comments on uh, a new function called bitmap.blit for display.io. 
some bugs that uh, were major bugs. So I think I've got those mostly resolved and trying to build that. Uh, I also submitted a PR just this morning to try and speed up creation of labels, uh, where it was spending a lot of time looking for glyphs. So I think that will significantly speed up creating new labels. Uh, and then last, as I'm digging in to understand how CircuitPython core works, uh, I built uh, at least uh, some help for me that's, uh, that looks like what you see on those detective shows where there's string and push pins and all connecting things, uh, so-called evidence board to try and understand how all the pieces between C and Python fit together. So some visual indication of how that works. Uh, and then this week, uh, some minor bugs and label to, to solve, uh, just related to line spacing. If you feel Thanks. like uh, sharing it, I would love to see a photograph of your evidence boards. That sounds oh. kind of fun. <laughs> okay, I'll post them. All right. Uh, so Stargirl, who I'm guessing is still uh, text only, will be on deck. But now we go to Maker Melissa. Hello. So last week I worked on uh, adding the STM32MP1 to Blinka. Uh, however, it's on pause as I figure out some key issues, which involve a lot of waiting. Um, I got the matrix portal library finally published. Uh, I wrote a simple clock demo for John Park uh, using that library. And I, I went ahead and converted the Adafruit fan service install script uh, from shell to Python. I also did that with the I2S mic install script. And I started working on the E-Ink Bonnet Guide uh, for the next two weeks because uh, this week is short for me because I won't be in the CircuitPython meeting next week. Uh, I'm going to read that. So I'm going to finish up the E-Ink Bonnet Guide, uh, write another matrix portal demo, uh, create a library to enclose some shell installation functions, convert more shell scripts to Python and try poking at the STM32 MP1 some more to see if I can get uh, pip running on the default image. And for fun stuff, I've been kind of learning the ins and outs of USB-C uh, power management and dual role ports. All right, uh, I will read some notes from Stargirl and then after that we will go to uh, Tanute. So Stargirl says, still waiting on my stuff to arrive from Seattle crying emoji, and working through the firmware for my module. Got ADCs, Pulse Out, and I2C all working in a bare metal SAMD21 project. Um, I think we will pop up to the top for uh, updates from Brent after we uh, hear from Scott. Uh, I think you're one ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah. OK, we'll go to Zoltan <laughs> next. Yeah. Um... I got Wi-Fi working, both HTTP and HTTPS on the ESP32-S2. Uh, it does need some rework that I may kind now of punt off you, for. I can pick it up. What, Charles? Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I was <laughs> um, No harm done. Yeah. So uh, got that going. Uh, I need to rework it. Probably not this week, but maybe next week. Uh, I want to use embed TLS directly so that I can get better error messages. Uh, so I'll do that at some point. But for now, I want to just get it in so people can start poking it and telling me what's wrong, which I'm sure there is lots wrong, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, I'm going to get that PR'd. Uh, and I was removing a bunch of uh, comments and stuff that 
our debug statements to make that that smoother. Um, this week, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna really kind of call it Memory Week. Uh, in particular, I am planning on adding PS RAM support, and I want to think more about both socket memory management and p perhaps uh, even experiment with allocating memory in CircuitPython in the same, like using the underlying IDF memory allocation stuff. Uh, so I'm going to think about that. And then um, one item I want to do is we've talked about doing another release, and I think we can actually get to the beta phase. It, um, I think the only outstanding API change we wanted to do was actually introduce uh, PWMIO and putting uh, PWM out in there, along with leaving it in Pulse.io just for six. And then in seven, we'll remove it from, from Pulse.io. Um, that's something we talked about doing. It should be simple, so I'm hoping to knock that out today. And then I think um, Dan's going to uh, take over getting like 6.0 out the door and, and being better about uh, getting, it, getting it all done. So uh, we'll hear from Dan about that. And then in my fun time, uh, I didn't put it in here, but I've been working on F FPGA stuff, which I think folks know. I created two libraries based on some existing code. I created Adafruit JTAG, which is a like very low-level um, JTAG Bitbang library. Uh, basically repackaged one that I had found. So it's actually GPL3. It's not It's not MIT, but that's fine. And then um, I also created a library for managing uh, a Lattice Mock XO series, uh, FPGAs from CircuitPython as well. So being able to flash programs uh, over I squared C, which I think is really exciting. So I've got that working. They're, they definitely need to be polished up, um, but that's interesting progress, kind of my my end goal is to basically make it so that you can have like a Stemma QT FPGA that basically is like any sort of I squared C device that you want to make it. Um, and then you could talk to it over I, over I squared C. So I'm, I'm playing around with that. Um, I don't think it's going to be a mix. I think like the library will just all like the library itself will just be GPL V3 and that should be okay. Um, if it's really going to be a concern, I know the authors of the code, so maybe we can ask that ask them to relicense it to us if we're concerned about that. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been doing. All right, uh, I will pass it to V nine twenty three Z, then back up to the top of the alphabet with Brent. Thanks, Jeff. So in the past uh, two weeks, I had a bit of time to work on, on Microlab. There was um, a sort of conceptual fault in the original implementation and that prevented me from um, adding things that I really wanted to, to have in Microlab. And um, I seem to be hitting roadblocks, whatever I tried, but um, some two weeks ago, I, I realized that I, I can index the arrays a bit differently and then beca everything becomes uh, simple and, and, and elegant, uh, perhaps not elegant, but uh, simple enough. So I, I set out to rewrite the code from scratch. And um, uh, this, um, um, this, this, this approach um, allowed me to, to implement quite a few new features that I am really excited about. Um, I would just like to highlight three of them in the hope that you will become equally excited. And I would drop a couple of comments in the weeds, um, uh, what it means for, for uh, CircuitPython, uh, what 
can be done with it and so on and so forth. So uh, the, the first feature is um, I implemented uh, support for uh, four-dimensional arrays. Um, there was at least one person who wanted to have four and quite a few people wanted to have three. Uh, most notably the um, OpenMV community because they work with uh, RGB images. But our own Charles Bonaford uh, claimed once that he wanted to play chess with um, MicroPython and he needed three dimensions for that. So Charles, there you have it. Um, I also implemented uh, proper views, um, uh, which, um, well, it was missing from from the old, uh, um, the concept itself was missing from the old implementation, and it could be could be very, really useful for uh, manipulating frame buffers and and things like that. And finally, um, uh, we'll have um, NumPy compatible broadcasting, um, which um, uh, broadcasting in itself is is a, a really um, a powerful and concise way of of uh, writing loops for uh, numerical data without actually uh, writing the loop out. So um, um, these are the features that I, I, um, I think they are working now. Um, I still have to implement two functions from the um, uh, numerical submodule. And then after that, I would like to, to do some FARO testing. And if they... Um, if, if I am done with that and the, the week is still not up, then I would like to shake up the, the user manual a bit. So first, I want to, to bring in the CircuitPython stubs um, and uh, make them part of the uh, MicroPython or MicroLab manual. And second, I would definitely like to, to add a section on how to write your own functions for uh, in, in, in MicroLab because well, I'm really pleased with the fact that um, I know how it works, but it would be so much better if, if people knew how to extend it, how to mold it into, into their own um, uh, requirements. And what would be even more better is, uh, what would be even better is, is if, if people uh, could contribute to the core. Um, so I'm, I'm determined to, to lower the contribution threshold considerably. And these are the plans. We'll see how far I get. But with that, I would like to step off deck. Thank you. That is quite a lot of good stuff. And now I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, all right. Uh, Dan will be on deck, and we will go to Brent after I take a time code. Hello. Um, not a lot in the CircuitPython front, except for I got the new Sharp LCD in, and I want to convert the uh, well, the Pi-hole ad blocker that I have set up in my network from OLED to the Sharp LED uh, LCD because I don't really like blinky lights uh, and my stuff is in my kitchen. So it's a really nice display and I'm excited to play around with it more. Maybe you can show more statistics about what's actually going through the DNS server. Thank you. Uh, David Gloud will be on deck and we will go next to Dan. Hello. So, um, over the weekend, I did. I, I kind of finished up ACI, the LEIO implementation for peripherals last week and did more testing and some bug fixing over the weekend. And I've now tested it. I can get the Bluefruit Connect app on the phone to talk 
to a, an airlift, an, a Metro M4 airlift board and have it manipulate NeoPixels. I also have, can get the uh, Bluefruit Playground app to talk to another piece of code and get the temperature off the same board. So both those things are working. And so we have enough working now so that um, it's time to go ahead and do some kind of release of this um, of this code. And so I'll be submitting a PR soon. It doesn't have central mode still, and that will be implemented somewhere down the line. But um, for what we for what we, we can do great things with it already. So that's good enough for now. Um, another thing I did over the weekend was um, fix uh, a bug that had been in the NRF code for a while where the uh, SPI number three peripheral is um, special and it's also buggy. And so it needs to have its own uh, 8K memory area or else uh, you can get corrupted data. So I had implemented this 8K area, but it turned out I put it in the wrong place and it was causing errors in display IO and maybe some other things. And so I put it in the right place. We had to shrink uh, some buffers uh, in uh, Bluetooth slightly, but it should probably not make any significant difference in the performance. And there's some other bugs that I fixed inside the NRF implementation in the course of working on the HCI implementation. So those will be included in the HCI pull request. And as Scott mentioned, I'll be kind of shepherding the 6.0 uh, release now. Um, from now on, getting fixing some bugs and just doing the regular releases. And Scott can continue to concentrate on um, getting Wi-Fi, ESP32 S2 Wi-Fi working. OK. Thanks in particular for working on the release, Dan. That's going to be very important, benefit a lot of people. Uh, so Foamy Guy is on deck, but now, David, uh, what do you have for us? So I've been working on Unvivo plus Shadowing, the Pimeroni stuff for um, environmental sensor. Um, so I tested um, if we could save memory on the LTR559 by moving all of the constant into a separate file. Uh, it's not a PR because I did that on my own GitHub stuff, but okay, this is an ID for um, Gadgetoid. Um, I did transform the PM25 library into uh, splitting files so that you can import either the I2C or the UART part. It's still a PR. It's based on the suggestion from Scott. So, um, well, if someone can have a look if I did that right, because now that I started to split that library, um, I also did split the IS31FL3731. Um, and there are quite a few boards, and I tested with the two board I have. One issue I have with that kind of transformation is that the example also needs to be changed because you cannot import the same way. Or maybe there is some magic where you, from this, import that as this so that you can make the right name without having to change, um, to make breaking change. Um, I connected my clue to a Raspberry Pi with some Chinese um, hardware I found. 
and I've been able to access the five I2C sensor. So from the Raspberry Pi, I was able to see the temperature and other stuff. And now I'm trying to figure out if I can do the screen, but apparently this SPI bus is different on the clue between the one which is exposed on the connector and the one which is connected to the screen. So maybe I need to find some kind of a bridge code that would be running in Arduino that would transport from one SPI to another SPI. I don't know, I've got no clue. And then I've got, um, I would like to try the button and the LED and the RGB LED to try to um, use them from the Raspberry Pi. Because I mean, you have all of those sensors on the clue and you can use them on the Pi, so it's super fun. Um, I've been soldering my feather cap, um, which is a board to put uh, Raspberry Pi hat on a feather. Um, I still need to find a few resistors for the uh, I2C. I hope to identify the one he's using and then find something similar in my stuff. And then I've got two weeks of vacation starting from today, um, but I'm not going anywhere because of the virus. So maybe I'm gonna work a lot on CircuitPython or maybe I'm gonna take a break. I don't know, but good things may be coming. All right, thank you. Yeah, what to do in our leisure time is like a really complicated thing right now. and. You got to chart that, I think, for yourself according to your own preferences. Um, so, Fumigat is up next, and Higher Effect is on deck to wrap it up. All right. Uh, so, last week I got some work done on the display layouts uh, library. I got the linear layout implemented, so it will take a list of um, sort of children views and put them all in either a vertical or a horizontal row, depending on which orientation you set. Um, and that's working pretty well. Um, while I was working on that, I found a bit of a peculiar thing with the display button library. I think I mentioned that briefly last week, um, which was the way that you have to access the group property uh, with that one, unlike a couple of the other display IO uh, components. Um, and so this week I made a tweak there in the button library and got that PR in, um, and that was merged as well. Um, I did, uh, as part of that process, working on my layouts library, I also noticed uh, something interesting with the, the progress bar library. It doesn't, it keeps the height and width properties, but they are uh, private. Um, they start with an underscore. And so I did uh, put in a PR to propose a minor tweak there to make those public, because uh, that would make my job a little bit easier when it comes to uh, setting those things into, uh, again, one of those like horizontal or vertical row type layouts. Um, I worked on uh, fixing that um, positioning issue with the display text uh, that Jeff had found for us. And then uh, lastly, I created a couple example scripts for the bitmap font library. Uh, I noticed uh, there was a single example in there, and it seems to be only written to run on, uh, on CPython. Um, and interestingly, not as far as I can tell, even uh, not necessarily within Blinka, just sort of regular old uh, CPython. Um, so I created a few more examples that will run on microcontrollers there, and then uh, kind of took it a step further with one of them and was playing around with it and managed to get some rainbow-colored custom fonts uh, loaded and displayed on the screen. So that was kind of a fun thing this weekend. Um, for next week, uh, I've got to finish up that issue with uh, display text, and then 
there's another uh, PR on um, the PN532, uh, which is RFID NFC scanner. Um, so I'm going to do some testing and get a review in there uh, this week. Uh, keep going on the, the layout library. I want to get um, the grid layout is the other one I had in mind, along with the linear layout. So I'd like to be able to way, be able to have a way to easily, um, you know, lay out all those children view into a two-dimensional grid. So that's the next thing there. And then I also want to get some sort of testing or test driving uh, going on there, where I'm going to take a few existing projects, uh, hopefully with relatively complex UIs, and you know, refactor those over to use the uh, the layout system and see if I like the way the code uh, turns out in the end. Um, so if anybody knows of projects or has projects that are relatively complex UIs, um, and you'd like to see you know, how they could be simplified or at least separated the layout out from the logic, um, you know, definitely point me in the direction of those. And then uh, lastly, I'll mention uh, outside of the CircuitPython world, uh, game that I'm really interested in, Factorio. They released uh, finally the 1.0 version over the weekend. So this game's actually been out for a long time now, years and years, but they've been uh, technically in beta. Um, and they've been putting lots of great effort into it. So it finally released over the weekend. Hooray. Uh, spent probably way too much time playing it. Uh, probably will spend a much more time playing it. And then uh, to tie it into the, the CircuitPython world, uh, I kind of got, um, you know, re reignited into uh, playing it. And I want to build a, um, one of the components of the game is launching a rocket. So I want to build a, a hardware uh, rocket launching button with like a key and a big emergency button and, and flashing lights and sirens and all that stuff. So um, that's how I'm going to kind of tie those two fun things together. Um, and that's all I got for this week. Well, that sounds like plenty. Uh, I will turn it over to HireEffect to wrap up status updates. Okay, so uh, this past week, I mostly worked on um, um, my current project, which has been uh, pulse in and pulse out on the ESP32 S2. Um, those uh, that was bleeding over from previous weeks, uh, pulse out ended up being pretty easy, but pulse in was uh, a little bit more painful. So um, that's had some API changes and other things, uh, but all of that is in the PR for that. Um, I answered some community questions, and I got my new F1 uh, discovery board from China in the mail. So I can start uh, checking out the flash system for that now and hopefully get that PR unstuck. Um, this, P this week, uh, I'm going to be making putting together just a big uh, bug to-do list. Um, uh, we've got just a bunch of old stuff from the STM32 that uh, I kind of took a break from uh, keeping track of to uh, get the ESP32 S2 stuff uh, out the door. So I want to revisit things like uh, RGB matrix, um, revisit uh, an SPI issue, um, a couple other things, uh, and just kind of prioritizing those and uh, trying to get them out of the issues list. Uh, and then I'll also be starting with the F1, um, checking out the flash system, and uh, again, getting that PR on stock. Um, there's a fun thing that I did last week. Um, I made a really simple flashcard app that I showed on Show and Tell a little while ago. Um, but uh, it uh, works on the open book. Uh, it's basically a little sentence generator. If you're trying to learn a language and you want to make a whole bunch of grammatically similar sentences that just happen, happen to have a different grammar so you can study something like, I don't know, verb conjugation. And some, some languages have really complicated specific lists of words for um, you know saying what day it is, like what, what you could study the days of the week or how many days in a month or something like that. Um, so uh, I made a little Python script 
uh, for that and put it on the open book uh, from Joey Castillo, but it also works on a host PC. Um, and uh, I threw, threw that up on GitHub this week and I'm hopefully gonna be pushing some more edits to it as I use it myself. So that's it for me. Thank you. What a lot of stuff people are up to. Uh, that wraps up status updates and brings us to the last section, which is called In the Weeds. So during In the Weeds, we uh, can engage in long-form discussion about stuff that doesn't fit anywhere else in this meeting format. So um, if you have something still, you have not missed your chance to raise the issue for discussion, just add it at the end of the section in the notes document. But for now, I will hand the baton back to Zoltan who has a couple of comments on MicroLive integration into CircuitPython. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jeff. Um, so um, these are really just a couple of comments and I don't expect any, um, any sort of uh, conclusion at the end of the day. Um, these are mainly hints as to what to expect and um, what kind of trade-offs you would have to think about uh, when, when you want to bring um, uh, MicroLab into CircuitPython. So the, the first is um, um, I, I would like to um, implement um, customization or options for, for almost everything. Uh, the main reason being that um, adding extra dimensions uh, to, the, to the library adds to the firmware size too. Um, I'm, I'm not done yet, but I estimate it to be uh, something like 20 kilobytes um, for every new dimension, except for the first one, because that's uh, significantly smaller, uh, simply for the reason that um, you can remove all functions that would operate on a on a matrix. So um, if you have a one-dimensional one array, then, then you won't need um, eigenvectors and uh, similar functions, and those can be removed. Therefore, um, the one-dimensional implementation is is uh, significantly smaller. Uh, it will end up uh, somewhere between 20 25 kilobytes, I think, compared to the 45 uh, that we presently have. So I do remember that um, Jeff had to kick MicroLab out of one of the smaller boards because it didn't fit. Um, so one, one possibility would be that you um, you, you say that you are willing to put up with one dimension for, for the smaller boards, and then, then you can still offer um, the CircuitPython uh, firmware with uh, MicroLab integrated. Um, the, the second customization option uh, is um, I, I would really love to, um, um, to, to add the option to uh, exclude functions at the function level. So uh, at the moment we have submodules, um, and uh, you you have or you can exclude submodules, um, which means that um, you remove all functions in that submodule. Um, but on the other hand, there are quite a few functions that um, I think don't hold general appeal. So I I can't imagine that too many people would need. Uh, sign hyperbolic or, or error function or, or things like that uh, on, a, on a microcontroller. And um, you could think about, and um, if you want to save space, uh, you could think about um, uh, excluding those functions that, that, that are really not useful. They are implemented for completeness sake, but uh, they might not be useful at all. Um, I bring this up because 
Um, as I said, uh, the one-dimensional implementation is going to be something like uh, 20, 25 kilobytes. Uh, two dimensions is going to cost uh, 50, 55 kilobytes. Um, three dimensions is about um, uh, 70 odd kilobytes and uh, four dimensions might be up to um, 90 to 100 kilobytes. And I, I don't know if, if this fits uh, the boards that you have um, um, or, or whether you have to uh, have to implement some sort of trade-offs, but um, I just wanted to um, put this out that uh, th these options will be there um, for for many reasons. Um, one of them being that that it seems to be the case that quite a few uh, um, micro Python uh, derivatives uh, uh, use. Uh, micro lab now and uh, each have different uh, constraints um, so I, I think this this could be could be a possibility to uh, sort of um, um, make everyone's life a bit easier but again this is something you the circuit Python community would have to consider which functions make sense uh, which which functions don't make sense um, the, um, the deferred issue I wanted to bring up is NumPy compatibility. So quite a few people uh, said that um, they want to take um, code from a computer, put it on a microcontroller and, and uh, run with it. And at the moment it's not possible because um, we have sub-modules. So for example, if you want to have a polynomial fit, then you have to import the poly uh, uh, sub-module and then you say poly.polyfit. Uh, um, in NumPy, it's simply polyfit. Uh, so that breaks compatibility. Um, I, I, I think I would like to, to make this uh, optional. Um, so if, if you want to stick with the sub-modules, so be it. Um, I, I think that's, that's still okay. Um, the only question is that if we if we um, um, move all functions to the top level, um, then then those uh, the implementation of these functions have to be declared non-static, and I don't know if there are any um, 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 drawbacks of that. So uh, at the moment, if you have a submodule at the C level, then each function in the submodule is is uh, static. Um, but if we if we want to move uh, functions to the top level, then I think we have to declare them uh, non-static, and I, I don't know if there are any any problems with that. Um, the I have forgotten to to mention views. Um, I think this. So um, I have already conferred with um, with Jeff uh, on this subject, and this actually relates to the fourth issue or. Um, fourth comment. Um, the OpenMV uh, people wanted to have some sort of um, image processing or at least um, functions that um, that read images, convert them to um, uh, uh, NumPy arrays, and then you do the, um, the, the manipulations on these arrays, and then, then you convert the results back to um, to, to, to an image. Um, they specifically asked for something like uh, an RGB 565 to uh, uh, three-dimensional tensor. Um, so um, if, you, if you have anything um, 
um, like that that you want, would like to have, then I think this this would be the the opportunity for that uh, because, um, well, I, I believe it views the the number of options or the number of uh, possibilities is, is is going to increase significantly, um, um, and this this relates back to. Um, um, Kmatch uh, 98's question about uh, manipulating um, uh, frame buffers. Um, so these these we could yet uh, now uh, uh, implement, uh, but but I would need some some pointers as to what is actually needed because I, I have very little experience with that. Um, so this is this is really really up to you. This this has to come from the community because I'm I'm clueless in in in, in that field. Um, well, I think these were the uh, the comments I wanted to put out there. And um, if if there are any any questions or comments, then um, please fire away. Um, well, I can make a couple of comments. Uh, first okay. of all, every option that you are willing to take the time to support for your users who, you know, they extend to MicroPython as well as CircuitPython. Um, we appreciate those. And, uh, you know, those are going to facilitate the more advanced users of CircuitPython, turning those flags on and off as well. Um, right. We arrived at this current split out of a couple of constraints, and we continue to thank you for working with us on that. Um, you know, we identified that it's important that if a module X or a submodule X.Y is present, that we want it to have as nearly as possible the same content on every board where it appears. And that's mm -hmm. kind of why we arrived at splitting it up this way rather than having a monolithic thing that was more NumPy compatible. But, okay. um, you know, I understand different users have different priorities. And so if you are interested in offering a NumPy module that's importable or a micro lab that imports without the modular structure uh whichever I way uh i think you know that's fine it's about what do you want to support and um as far as making those functions not be static or the object definitions not be static as long as they have distinct names uh then that's not going to be a problem as long as the c identifiers are distinct Okay, so uh, there are no no hits on on um, firmware size or or um, no, it shouldn't I, affect I, binary size okay. or anything okay. like that. Uh, okay, it, at least on um, at least on builds that support LTO link time optimization, which is all of our resource constrained uh, mm -hmm. boards. Some of the less boards that are less constrained on flash size, we haven't gone through the pain of implementing LTO yet because. Usually there are at least a few um, tricks that you have to to do, or you know, a few bugs that you have to fix on the way to enabling that feature. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and I think that's all but I've got. I, I I would like to call out Kmatch ninety eight because um, he had a, a very specific uh, request a couple of months ago, and um, I I didn't understand what the uh, requirements were, but perhaps he could could uh, expand on that at, at this moment. Sure. Yep. Uh, so my my request is pretty simple, in that I, I was working on text and in essence trying to copy one bit bitmap into another bitmap, and uh, to do that inside of Python is pretty slow. Uh, so basically, it's a pixel by pixel copy over 
going from Python level down to C and back. Uh, so there's a lot of overhead, especially when the bitmaps grow. Uh, so my request was, hey, can Microlab somehow do that manipulation closer down in the C level uh, than uh, what, what I had access to in, uh, in just in pure Python? So, so Jeff, perhaps you can you can help me out with that. Is, is it correct that um, we can simply grab the, um, as we discussed it on, on Saturday night, um, that we simply grab the pointer from the bitmap uh, construct, whatever it is, object, um, plug it in, in, into uh, um, uh, the constructor of the um, of the array, and then then simply call a copy function on that, and then we are done. Is is, is that correct? Um, so, so I, I think I, there's I a couple of things. Um specific to well one is specific to what kmatch 98 is doing so um when we have a python bitmap they can have a variety of different formats so like they can be uh one bit two bit four bit eight bit yep. 16 and 24 okay. bits per pixel so there's yep. a lot of different data types and those are data types okay. which are not directly supported in microlab at this time and the other thing is that there is not a way to uh these uh buffer or these um, bitmap objects in display display IO can't be treated with the buffer protocol right now and that's a limitation on our end. So the okay. stuff that we were discussing uh, which I was talking in the context of a thing called pixel buff which is different from a display IO bitmap okay. uh, wouldn't directly apply. Okay so that that means that uh, in, um, if, if we want to bring that into Microlab, then, then we, we still have to wait for the um, CircuitPython API uh, uh, because, um, well, if I can't simply grab the pointer, then, then I am helpless. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, somehow I have to get the data. And, uh, or or, or do, you, do you think it's, it's, um, it's possible to circumvent this uh, uh, difficulty here? I think or, or it, we it, could. Or, I think we should it, figure it, out more about you know what parts of image processing properly belong in Microlab and what form are they going to take, and then we can figure out how do we make the CircuitPython bitmap work with that. Um, for instance, when you change a pixel in a bitmap, that needs to do other operations. Um, so that we can track what areas of the screen need to be updated. So we have this idea of dirty okay. rectangles. And okay. so even if we could give you this buffer, I'm not sure how we make writing into the buffer something which is okay to do. And Scott, are you going to step in with something? or? Well, I, I actually... Um... Not around that. Okay. <laughs> I saw your so... ring turn green for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, so depending on how you want to manipulate this uh, this, this frame, um, assuming that that you want to slice it somehow, then I think that's okay because then from the slice, you will know on your end which part of the image has to be has to be updated, and the slice would, on the other hand would um, would determine on on microlabs side what has to be. Uh, uh, well, uh, manipulated or, or what has to change uh, oh, in the, in the so, data. 
So the act of taking a writable slice is what would say this area has become dirty. That um, could... I, I think I, I, right, but so so you need some some infrastructure or or uh, interface for that on your mm -hmm. end. But I think that's that, uh, in in this way. Um, it, it would be really easy to keep track of what's what's changing and then what what's not changing and um, it would be it would not break um, um, numpy syntax in in the sense so um, I, I would find this this actually um, quite uh, quite a, a feasible uh, way of, of dealing with this problem um, but again I have no no experience here so uh, I'm just tossing ideas um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, yeah, there, it also feels like there's the complication of the the additional data types because those are also a driver of uh, the code size of Microlab. So if you need right. to implement 1, 2, 4, 8, and 24-bit um, data types, one of those, well, several of those don't even exist in C. There is no C data type for them. Uh, what is the uh, impact of I that? Well, I, I don't know. I, I only know that in NumPy, uh, uh, booleans are actually um, uh, uint eights with a special flag. Mm -hmm. So um, exactly the problem that you mentioned, that even if, if uh, the, the information is only one bit, um, that's, that's stored in eight, eight bits. Uh, well, because when it comes to a uh, when it comes to a display I/O bitmap, they are packed in one of several ways into bytes, so they can represent mm -hmm. eight bits from left to right, or from right to left, or from top to bottom, or from bottom to top, depending on things, depending on the characteristics of the display. So it becomes a little bit complicated. Well, so I, I don't know what to say uh, to that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm trying to talk you out of implementing this particular operation, especially since kmatch98 has a really good start on an implementation in okay. CircuitPython core in C now that I think is going to get most of the speed benefits. And that, that, that's okay. So um, maybe maybe wait and revisit that. And okay. as far as what image processing entails, probably pay more attention to OpenMV. I, it's really good that you check in with us and you know, bringing stuff in from a camera and displaying it in display I.O. and adding an intermediate step of processing, those would all be features we would really like to add to CircuitPython at some point. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I don't think that is prioritized for anybody right now. Um, it is coming down the road at some point because uh, Phil B. was doing related work on uh, Arduino and that has been trickling out um, and you know that's a someday we'd like to bring it over to to uh, Circuit Python, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay, all right. Well, so these were my comments, um, and um, with that, I, I would like to hand it back to you. Or uh, I don't know well, whatever it means at the so, end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was I was going to respond to the the one big module and the functions of that general appeal stuff, like, mm -hmm. and just reiterate what we talked about before. Like, lots of small modules is the way to go. And the reason it's the way to go is because people, if they try to use it, they do it at the start. And that means that they get an in import error at the start. Um, if they're using a function somewhere in their code, they get an attribute error and it makes no sense. Um, well, I, I certainly agree with that. But on the other hand, um, 
first of all, you can still have a, a spelling error in the function name. So even if you could import the module, it doesn't mean that you can execute the function. And and second, um, right? But that the the solution to that is local to that spot. Versus, uh, oh, I actually right. need, to, I actually un, like, oh, this like copy of CircuitPython doesn't support that thing is a very different thing. And like we've we've trained people to understand that that our support boundaries are at the module level. Like, okay, that, fair enough. I, if you I, want to I, do that for MicroPython, I don't care. But like in CircuitPython, it's the way to go, in my opinion. Uh, well, I, you you don't have to fear anything because I'm I'm not going to change anything in this respect um, I'm, I'm going to make it customizable so if you okay. want to do uh, want to go with that and yep. so be it that, that's that's your choice I I, yep. I have nothing against that okay um, well um, I think I, I don't have anything else to add to this so um, Jeff back to you all right well I just want to add on that I'm so appreciative of how willing you are to work with us on these things and uh, to, to be willing to do extra work so that we can have it our way and your other users who are served better by other choices can have it their way too. Um, that's really wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to uh, take a... Yeah, go ahead. Now, uh, well, thanks for the praise, but um, actually um, it, it, it doesn't make sense to, to, to make it very specific to, to one use case. And um, um, it, it, it just makes absolutely no sense to have uh, five different versions of Microlab or whatever you want to call it, um, simply because um, some people in, in uh, CircuitPython would like to have it in this way and uh, some people in uh, OpenMV would like to have it that way. Uh, I think it's much, much easier if it, it really saves, resor saves resources if we, if we do it in one place and, and make it customizable and, and you use it the way you want to, mm -hmm. to use it. So that's my standpoint. All right. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, so I am going to go ahead and wrap up. The I do have Python. a counter. I do have a counter to that, though. No, no, Scott. You don't get a, a moment now. We're moving on. All right. <laughs> you're, you're running the meeting. Uh, that wraps up the CircuitPython meeting for August seventeenth. A big thanks to everyone. A big thanks to everyone who participated. If you want to support Adafruit and CircuitPython, and those of us who work on CircuitPython please consider purchasing from the Adafruit shop at adafruit.com. The video of this meeting will be released on YouTube at youtube.com adafruit, and the podcast will be available on major podcast services. It will also be featured in the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. Visit adafruitdaily.com to subscribe. Our next meeting is Monday, August 24th. If you aren't on Discord yet, visit adafru.it discord to join. To participate in the meeting, ask one of us to add you to the CircuitPythonista's role on Discord. We hope to see you again soon.